Welcome to the podcast where you eavesdrop into conversations between my friends and I on a weekly basis. My name is Lily Jo, I'm a singer, songwriter, and I perform shows all over the world. I'm a qualified counsellor and an emotional wellbeing coach. You can also check out my award-winning online mental health resource, The Lily Jo Project. I know you will find gems of wisdom within the conversations that I have with my friends. Hopefully you will find tools and resources that you can hold on to, try and test for yourself all around the important subject of mental health and personal development. I am so pleased to welcome you to today's episode of Eavesdrop. So on today's episode, I'm in conversation with somebody that I have known for many years, somebody that I've admired, somebody that I respect, and his name is Dr. John Patterson. I first met Dr. John when he was one of my colleagues at Hilltop Surgery. It was my first counsellor post for the NHS. And I remember Dr. John writing me an amazing letter on the first day just to say, keep your head up, you've got this. So encouraging. And I still find him super encouraging. That's why I really wanted to get him on today's episode. His social media is something that I tune into on a weekly basis just to hear what's going on in the current situation and the current climate that we're in. So please welcome to today's show, Dr. John Patterson. Good afternoon, Dr. John. Hi, Lily Jill. Nice to be with you. Really nice to have you on today's episode. And I just wanted you to explain to the listeners a little bit about your job role and what you're doing at the moment. Thanks very much. So we first met when I was a GP uh, in one of the hard-pressed estates of Manchester. That was 10 years ago, sorry to say, but you were 14, so it was fine. And, <laughs> and so we then carried on doing healthcare as well as we could. And in the last couple of years, I've been asked to join the health authority, which is called the CCG nowadays, but it's essentially the health authority as their chief clinical officer. So the buck stops here, really. I'm a senior clinician or one of the senior clinicians in Oldham in terms of looking after the clinical outcomes of the 264,000 people that are in Oldham. We have a very good flat structure. So I've got chief manager, chief operating officer, who's amazing. And we all work with the head of the council, who's our accountable officer called Carolyn Wilkins. So I'm still doing clinical practice. So I work for the CCG seven sessions a week. I do five sessions a week with Hope Citadel, who are this social co-op. We now have about 40,000 patients. And so that's quite a lot of clinical work as well. And then we have a project called Focus Care that we do with GM. And that is a couple of sessions a week. So as long as nobody adds those numbers up and reports me to the European Working Time Directive, then that's what I do. Wow, that is incredible. So you have really accelerated in your career over the last couple of years since we last touched base, which is fantastic. You're also a family man as well. Yes, so we're going to talk a bit about the current situation, aren't we? And I was thinking about what I have to do. So there's, there's all that work, but absolutely. I'm very happily married to Sam, who does amazing youth and community work. And we have four children. And also we're trying to work out, as well as all the work that that means for her, we are people who live in a community of Mottram. So we, we live in a street, we have friends in the local church. We belong to the street community, we belong to the church community. And those rules are just as vital as the rules that we work in the NHS and in education. Yeah, so basically you and Samantha are a power couple that do amazing things in the community. And that is just so fantastic. So we applaud you for that. And thank you for all the work that you do, because you guys are amazing. One of us is amazing. The, the other one just works really hard for the <laughs> NHS. But definitely, we sort of came up to Manchester 
I think it must be 18 years ago, we both have faith and we felt that we'd been given some talents, not that we, you know, were any better than anybody else, but, but, but we had some God-given talents. And at the time we were living in a little village outside Cambridge. And I just remember that moment when one of the youth came in and they were very upset because they only had two game consoles, not three. And, you know, we, we sorted them out. You know, he was genuinely upset. I and mean, when we talked him through the issues, but then Sam and I looked at each other and thought, this isn't what we're meant to be doing. We're not put on the earth for this. There must be a bigger job, a deeper job. And that summer we went to a, I think it's called Soul Survivor, to a Christian youth camp. And at the time, uh, someone who we both know called Andy Hawthorne was speaking. And I just remember this revelation for me and Sam that maybe this was what we were looking for, a place to live in a community, to be as credible as we could, to use our house. And then uh, from then, a couple of years later, I ran into a medical student who told me I was doing everything wrong. And she was almost right. And we then ended up setting up, along with others, this company called Hope Citadel. And that's sort of where the story started. It's amazing. I love it so much. And I love what Hope Citadel do. I did a lot of learning under Hope Citadel and wouldn't be the person I am today or be doing what I'm doing without Hope Citadel. So I pay a lot of thanks and gratitude towards all you guys. You're amazing. So can you tell us what COVID-19 has done to your job role, to your week? How has it changed how you were normally working? Yeah. So in some ways, everything's changed. And you'll be aware that I'm trying to just jot my thoughts down on a blog from time to time. And I wrote a blog called The Manga Moth, which had a certain reception. But the idea I was trying to capture was the same way that butterflies aren't born in flight. They're, they're born as caterpillars and then they go in and they disconglobulate themselves and then come out as the thing that we all know. We feel in the NHS that's happened to us. And in Oldham, as I mentioned before, I work with council colleagues really closely. You know, the head of the council, I consider my boss. And the two of us, along with our colleagues, have had to really deconstruct a lot of what we've done. What that practically means is there's lots of letters from central regulators and bodies that we all know saying, you don't need to do any of that anymore. What you need to do now is respond to this COVID crisis. And this virus, is just really tricky. It's a really slippery virus. There's lots of things about this that is unprecedented in terms of an illness for us in the NHS. And so personally for me, for the last two weeks, I've not actually seen patients, which has been a real pull of my heartstrings. But we do have a lot of doctors and nurses, as you know, at Hope Citadel, who do the job really well. But the fact that we've sort of changed our normal busy structure to a structure where we try and think clearly together and we try and learn and really quickly because even though we're very familiar now with this virus, we're learning about it all the time. I think I thought I was working hard before. Myself and most of my colleagues are now on 16-hour days. For the first two weeks of the outbreak, I was living in a hotel because some of our children got very warm and hot. And I came home and there was a suitcase on my front door, which I thought was a very bad sign, Lady Jo, but it turned out that my wife hadn't got tired of me. She was just using the well-rehearsed plan of there's a hot child, pack John's bag, off you go to a hotel so you can carry on working and not have to self-isolate. So everything has changed. The thing is, nothing has changed because people still need to eat and they need love and they need mental health to be well. We need to work, we need to exist in, in units and community. Uh, we haven't changed as people and what we need. The issue is, is that how we respond to this virus has, has driven that whole transformation. Wow. And can you see in Oldham that the daily death toll is dropping off or are you having success there at the moment? Like, how is it working for you guys? So one of the many difficult things about the COVID outbreak is what does success look like? 
one always feels a bit like the goalkeeper of the team. You know, if, if, if it's 7-0, nobody goes and congratulates the goalkeeper. They just are really pleased that the attackers scored seven. Um, we are really proud of what's happened in Oldham. For instance, we've reconstructed ourselves not into organisational meetings, but into, into across Oldham organisational meetings, and that includes our voluntary sector. So, for instance, we have thousands of people who have called into the community hub and who are being fed via that. If you work in the food bank, you're being treated with as much respect and care as if you work in ICU. So our successes have been keeping the community together, making sure that the pressure of these times brings us together as people and brings us back to our core values rather than cause the sort of fighting that could have happened or the, you know, when things were short, when there was a shortage of resources, people didn't scramble over them. There was actually a real sense of stepping back and letting each other you know, go first. So for instance, you'll probably heard that at the very start, testing was difficult. The GPs were one of the first groups to get tested, but on that very first run of GP testing, uh, my colleague said, no, this is inappropriate that we should go first. And so the community nurses who were dealing in people's homes, they got to go first. There's been issues with PPE supply, the gowns and the goggles and the gloves that everyone's I'm sure aware of that three-letter word now and the hospital have shared generously with the care homes where they've been lacking because we see ourselves as people looking after people and therefore what do we need as a group of people so the real success has been the togetherness and the community feel. Wow that's amazing so good and so needed and I know that you guys really do lead in that way you're so servant-hearted in that and that's just so great to hear. So how have you been personally maintaining your mental health throughout this season? Thank you. So it's a real challenge, isn't it? We've never known more about how to have good mental health than the generation that we live in. And I really admire your work, Lily Jo. I know the work that you do about gratitude and reflection and all the things that we know, you know, it's the simple basics of sleeping and eating and exercising much better than any of the pills and potions that we give out as doctors. If those are the things we make sure our patients get first. And for myself, to be honest, I got so busy with the job that I was sort of falling asleep on the way home, uh, you know, not in the car, but I was falling asleep and, and, and my dietary habits were really bad. So the first thing I did was just think, what am I going to be telling people in the next two months? So personally, I've taken up running again. I've made sure that I sleep. I, I didn't have a drink problem, but I have given up alcohol. I felt really bad for four days, to be honest, Lily Joe. I was worried I did have a drink problem. Then I discovered I have a cheese problem and that basically alcohol is just my gateway drug to cheese. So I've had to, you know, go back on the cheese, but do things very gently. And then for me, it's about, I mean, what we do as doctors is that we look for the energy in our patients. We, we look for the win. We look for the strength. that's often very hidden. And then we sort of meet that. So you can't get through a 40 patient day if you just give yourself to everybody. You ha there has to be a meeting of just people helping people to people. And one of the joys of my life, certainly in the last 12 years, has, has been thinking about hidden strengths and narrative theory. So as I help lead, and I'm one of the leaders in this outbreak, there's so much energy out there, Lily Joe. There's so much. So it would normally be exhausting, wouldn't it, to do a day from six in the morning to half nine at night. But then you turn up at half nine and the local mosque have cooked for 350 members of staff and you sit there and you and, and suddenly you have to give a speech and you weren't prepared to do a speech but you know you, you just see the gratitude and the energy and the love that other people have to look after each other one of the icu orderlies was there with a shopping trolley full of curry that he'd, he'd you know taken from the canteen and i asked him you know is this all for you what, what are you doing with this and he said there's so many of us fasting at the moment doc you know we're fasting because we're working too hard we're fasting because it's ramadan 
And once we realized this food was coming, we all decided that we'd all break our fast together. And actually, if that food hadn't come, so many NHS people would have just carried on working and not eaten. And so for me, there's energy to be found. So keep my mental health just about stable. Leave isn't the real option at the moment, but I'm trying my best to stick to the principles, find energy from other people, and then I'm back with my family again. And as much as it's distracting to have four children, it is a beautiful joy to have those children and their problems and their, you know, and the issues and spend time with them and with Sam. Wow, that's amazing. I noticed, I think it was last week that you popped on your social media a book recommendation. And um, I would love you to share that book recommendation with the listeners because it sounded like an incredible book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and the context, because I'm, I'm not sure when these go out, Lily Jo, but the context is we're five and a half weeks into lockdown. And even though we're doing really well together, everybody's gone cabin fever crazy. And we don't really have a reference point. The Blitz was eight months. We have famous heroes. You know, Anne, Anne Frank was stuck in her very small place for over 700 days. And yet after five and a half weeks, we're really struggling. And so there's a book by Alex Hutchison. It's called Endure. And, and the subtitle is The Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance. And actually we're asking ourselves to endure in a situation where we don't want to endure. We want to just hope it goes away. We want the bombing. We want the virus to stop. And we just want to get back to normal. People are desperate, I think, to get back to normal. And of course, the reality is, is that we can't. And so there's all that bereavement of we want to deny it's happening. We want to bargain with it. We want to find a way. And then, of course, we end up with acceptance, you know, with depression, then acceptance. And for me, I felt very much in that depressed stage. And then I reminded myself a bit what I was saying about energy from other people. We are really good at enduring. We, we never really know our limits. And very often when, when a patient will turn up and their, their story is almost untenable that they should be surviving, the question we say is, you know, how, how are you still going? How do you keep going? And actually, that's a reflection of what are they doing? Well, actually, you know what, Doc? I promise the kids are making breakfast in the morning. Or, well, I, I don't know, Doc, but, but you know, the, the dog needs walked, and I just walk the dog every day. And after I exercise, I have a little bit left for the next day. And so this book talks about that, talks about studies where they flash up smiley faces at cyclists or frowning faces at cyclists and discover that one group can cycle 15% faster for longer because there's something about how we endure. It's about a combination of our physical preparation and our mental preparation. And it's that sweet spot between them both. So I would recommend the book. It's a good read. It is very much about athletic performance, but actually you will find if you spend time in the book and reflect yourself, it's about what we can do in these next couple of months because we must endure. We, we must yeah. endure. Yeah, we really must. We really need to stay home and, and protect you guys. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to us now that, you know, for me personally, my diary's been cancelled and I am staying at home. I've become a teacher. <laughs> Is there any hope? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Is there anything that we can hold on to? I think there's lots of light. There's lots of energy and there's lots of hope. I mean, isn't it amazing? Let's just pause a second. Isn't it amazing that just when we needed it, you know, the whole narrative before COVID was society breakdown. Nobody cares about anybody anymore. Everyone's addicted to their screens. And yet what happened was there was underneath the surface, there was this, this love of community and this generosity that was just waiting to break out at the same time as the virus. So we think, you know, I think about, I come in one day looking strained and suddenly there's a meal deal on my desk that someone's gone and queued two hours in order to feed me. I think about 
the neighbours who come out and we all clap together. I think about the food bank volunteers. So there is a real hope because you only really know who you are when the problem sets in. And, and what this has said to us is that we are people who care about each other and we are people right. who do want to innovate and find ways forward. For me as a doctor, the most powerful question we ask, and it sometimes seems offensive in the midst of the darkness is, what does this now make possible? And, you know, as, as a Christian, I, I believe the man that wrote most of the New Testament only really wrote it because he was chained to a desk. So, you know, he was, he was constrained and chained down and couldn't do what he wanted to do. But actually, that allowed him to write and, you know, to be able to create and, you know, hear the inspiration that, that has given us quite significant pieces of work, you could say. And I have had patient after patient who has answered that question, what does this now make possible? And it's not about that, you know, high expectations that we almost learn a language or learn a musical instrument. You know, that's rubbish. We don't need to carry on with that beating ourselves up, do we? But actually, if we learn to pause and be gracious to ourselves, if we suddenly realise that none of us are the people who learn a language and who learn four musical instruments, well, that's okay. And then actually, if we're flawed, well, then maybe we can start forgiving the flaws in other people as well, and we get to a gentler place. But there's also hope in that, you know, a vaccine is coming. There will definitely be a vaccine. It won't come as soon as we all want. But once 65% of us become immune to this disease, then it's more or less hope over there's lots of hope because i see people looking after each other people who are staying in because they don't want their grandparents to get unwell people who are, who are not earning money because they know that to try and earn money would be to put themselves and their families at risk i think we have been asked what our priorities are and i'm pleased with the answers that we're giving in general as a society that is so so hopeful thank you so much and that gives me a lot of hope as well it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today can i just ask you one more personal question what are you going to take from this experience when this is all over and we have this vaccine and we're all up and out again what is it that you're going to do differently or how is it that this has affected you or will you not know that until the end like what do you think your takeaways might be so there's two things i mean for me personally i've been reading through the book of Nehemiah. It's, it's an ancient book, you know, several thousand years old, but it's never been more real than it has been. In the 20th year of that century, a bloke has to suddenly rebuild a wall and a society. And it's been a really interesting study in trying to draw the parallels between that and, and where we're living at the moment. I've been really challenged that what I'm best at is facilitating other people's brilliance. And so the systems that we've set up at the moment allow the leaders to be really permissive and say, forget what organization you're from, forget the budget, do the right thing. And so it's my personal take that, that I want to make sure we carry on doing that in the new normal. So in the new normal, we talk about a leadership that's permissive, that actually doesn't suppress excellence and energy and talent, but finds it, energizes it. So that's what that's who I want to be. And I hope I've, I've always been a little bit like that but this outbreak has, has allowed ourselves to come together as leaders and say this is who we are and this is what we want to do so for me you know as a christian if i may the, the verse that, that sort of has always stuck with me is a verse that says nothing else matters except faith expressing itself in love and so even though i do a very technical clinical job for me i believe it is faith expressed in love and that means getting out of the way and letting other people I'd be brilliant. And, and the, I suppose the really good news, if customer service is exceeding expectations, I, I need you to hear that almost everybody who's been given permission 
and being given space to grow and work has exceeded expectations. And that's been, wow. one, of the, that, that's been one of the real positives. And there's a long way to go. And whenever people are reading this, you, you, you could be watching this in a couple of years and, and it might start to feel like history, but these lessons have to stay with us, I think. Absolutely. And that is an amazing lesson. And I actually do really agree that you have been like that since I've ever known you. So it's brilliant that that is just really just overflowing from you and, and from your leadership. So your team are very blessed to have you <laughs> as, their, as their head. And so well done to you. And thank you for everything that you are doing in order to protect us guys and keep us all healthy and well. We really appreciate that. We're really grateful. And we just hope that this will be over sooner rather than later and that we can go back to a new normal maybe not go back but we can create this new normal that actually is a society that love each other that care about each other that are building community on a daily basis thank you so much and thank you for what you're doing having a chance to be able to reflect and think about what we learned and the strengths have been really helpful and those are very kind words i do have to laugh because you also have seen me on a tuesday when i'm hungry and not fed and, and i've got too many visits and too many patients to see so it's nice to be able to give you a highlights reel today but, you know, the, the real story is that, you know, like everybody, oh, I'm a mess uh, a lot of the time. And certainly, you know, my temperament's all over the place a lot of the time. But when we reflect together, when we support each other, Ligio, then it is good, isn't it? And we can definitely build something better together. Thank you. On the podcast, we cover a range of sensitive topics and perspectives. Some of the points raised in this episode you may strongly agree with or strongly disagree with. I want to know who you are and what you think. Last season we had so many downloads, but we don't know who you are. I want to get to know you. I really want to hear your thoughts and continue the conversation. And that's why I've created a brand new Facebook group. You can find the link to the group in the podcast description, or you can search for Lily Joe Presents Eavesdrop on Facebook. I am so excited to get to know you. I will see you in the group. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, why not share with your friends? Please check the description box below for extra links and further information to some of the topics discussed in today's episode. Also, you'll find information about what's coming next. For further information, top tips and advice on all kinds of mental health issues, including low mood, anxiety, self-harm, eating disorders and more, please do check out www.thelilyjoeproject.com. You can find my music across all digital platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. See you next time.